lock in with me for a little bit as we kick off this new series called What Now? Question mark. Boop. All right, um, and we are we're in, this, in this series, we're going to be taking a look at what does it mean as a middle school student um, to walk in obedience, all right? And to walk in obedience to Christ specifically, all right? How many of you guys have parents that like drill into you obedience? All right, how many of you guys obey that drilling of obedience into you? Right? How many of you guys, it's a struggle? Like, you've been in trouble at least once in the last week because you didn't obey something your parents told you to do. Yeah, my daughter's hands better be up. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so here's the thing. Obedience, I want to tell you guys this. Like, obedience is one of the most important spiritual disciplines that you can grab a hold of. All right? We want you to understand that even as middle schoolers, as, you know, like 11 through 14-year-olds, you know, whatever that age range is that we have in the room, like, if you can grasp obedience now, the rest of your life is going to go so much smoother. Because um, guess what? I know like a lot of you think, well, when I'm an adult, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Um, you're probably going to have a boss at some point that's going to tell you what to do. Uh, you're probably going to have a wife if you're a husband, uh, if you're a guy, and guess what? She's going to tell you what to do. Uh, There's going to be just times where you're going to be having to obey people. Um, And and, in my life, uh, we have a saying with our kids. We haven't had to say it very often now, but like when they were little, little, uh, we would tell them to do something. And if they were slow in obeying, we would use the phrase, anybody probably recognize this, slow obey equals no obey. Anybody ever hear that one? No? Yeah, my, my daughter has, yeah. Like, slow obey means no obey. Because listen, like, when we say something as parents, like, as a parent, if I say, hey, I need you to do this, I want it done now. Like, I want it done yesterday. Like, I don't want to, like, come back. Like, and it could be something simple, like a pair of socks on the floor. And I'd be like, hey, listen, uh, Gavin, come pick up your socks. And, like, and he'll be like, okay. And then, like, I come back two hours later, and the socks have not moved. Uh, and they're still in the same position. I'm like, hey, Gavin, have you moved those socks yet? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'll get on it. And then I come back two hours later, and they're still in the same spot. And it's just like, it's so frustrating when obedience is not a part of the drill in your life. And I just want to know, like, in your family life, obedience is going to help you. Um, in school, obedience is going to help you. If you're an athlete, if you obey your coaches, it's going to help you. If you're a, a musician, obeying the conductor or the, the leader is going to help you. Like, obedience is a skill, not just in church, not just in, like, the Christian world, but in just life in general, that is a great skill set to adapt in your life. But tonight, we're going to talk specifically about obedience to Christ and the things that God's Word, right here, the Bible, tells us, this whole series we're going to take a look at, things that God's word tells us we need to be doing as Christians, all right? Now, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. It's not like we're going to talk about every command ever given in this book because there's not enough Wednesdays in the, in the year to cover it, right? This would be the longest series in the world, but we're going to cover some of the big ones. We're going to cover some of the ones that we feel are going to be the most influential in your life. We're going to cover some of the ones that we think will have the most impact in your life um, because obedience to Christ will change your life. Ultimately, we want you to do what God wants you to do. 
uh, we want you to be obedient. We want you to follow him. We want you to live in a way that reflects what he has called you to. Right? It requires us to work a little bit. It requires us to live in a certain way. It requires us to deny ourselves of certain things. But ultimately, we need to be obedient to what God has for us. All right? Everybody understand that? Have I lost anybody yet? I haven't said anything that's confused you yet? All right, awesome. Well, today we're going to look at a specific thing um, that I really am passionate about. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do as a youth pastor, um, as a student pastor, as a pastor in general, and that is the idea of baptism. How many of you have ever um, seen someone get baptized? All right. If you go to church here at Cross Life, you've probably seen it um, because we baptize a lot. We, we try to baptize as often as we can. Uh, when people are ready, we try not to push it off. We try not to like wait. Like If we can get them in the water, we're going to get them in the water. We want to try and make that happen as quick as possible. All right. Well, the whole idea of baptism, I think, sometimes can be tricky. Um, I think it can be confusing to some people. I think it could be um, one of those words that we hear in church a lot. So um, it's a very churchy word. You don't really hear baptism outside of the walls of the church. Has anybody ever, like, outside of, like, a Christian context, heard someone use the word baptize? Probably not too often. Like, if, if it was, it was probably, like, a joke alluding towards a Christianese term. It's a very Christianese term, all right? It's very much a Christian term. Uh, that's pretty much where you're going to hear it. But here's the thing. I need you to understand, the Greek word that the word baptism comes from is a word called baptizo. And baptizo is a word that if you look at just take the Christian idea out of it, just the word itself, baptizo, simply means to fully submerge or to dunk or dip. All right? So I want to I illustrate that real quick for you guys. Um, I've got a cup right here. Yeah, just a little empty solo, solo cup. All right? I also... I also have some milk. Anybody else like, anybody like milk? I like milk. Mm. Room temperature, great. No, I'm just kidding. I just took it out of the fridge. All right, so here's the thing. I, if I were to pour this milk into this cup, right? Got it, right there. All right, so we have, we have a glass of milk here. Now... What is like the best thing in the world to dunk in chocolate milk, or in regular milk, not chocolate milk? What do you think? I heard Oreos. Graham crackers are good. Chocolate chip cookies are really good. Not your toes, that's gross. All right, so if I were to like take a cheese pizza, per se. All right. If I, shh, shh, if I were to do this, and like just, all right, here's the thing, I need you guys, I need you guys to understand something, I did not baptize that pizza, I just, So, because like, remember, the definition of the Greek word is to fully submerge. Now, 
this cup's not big enough for me to fully submerge this pizza, thank God. But it is big enough to submerge one of these bad boys, which is very important because I got to get that taste out of my mouth. So here's the thing. Remember, from the verb, like just from the verb baptizo, the Greek verb, all right, it is a very specific term. It is to fully submerged. So like my hands, like my, my fingertips are in the milk right now. Like it is, I'm at that stage of dipping a cookie where like the bubbles are coming out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, and it's like, you got to, like the perfect amount, you have to wait for the bubbles to stop. All right. But then you have to like very carefully pick it up and then redunk to make sure you get all the bubbles out. And then it's nice and saturated. And then you got a delicious cookie soaked in milk. All right, but here's the thing. I need you guys' attention, all right? Here's the thing. That cookie, from the verb tense standpoint, guys, and back, was baptized. Now, hear me out. That does not mean that cookie was a Christian. (laughs) That does not mean that was a sanctified cookie. I was simply showing you what that verb tense or that verb means, is to fully dunk or fully submerge. So as we talk about baptism, I need you to understand that that word is, is very important. That word is, the, the definition of that word is important, and I think it's critical that we have an understanding of what the verb actually means, so that we have a complete understanding of what the act of baptism inside of the church actually means. Hey guys, thank you. It is, it is super important that we understand the definition of terms in life, not just in this lesson, but in life in general, like to understand what words mean. Words are so important. And I think it's no mistake that the word baptism was used when describing the act of baptism. Does that make sense? Is that confusing? All right. Like it, it's not a, there's no surprise and there's really no accident that, that the, the authors here in the New Testament, as they were describing this act of baptism, used that word because it is very, very important as a part of the process. So here's the thing. Baptism, I forgot to to throw the picture in there, Um, but in my office, I'll describe it to you guys. In my office, we have a wall. Hey, guys, like if I can hear you talking up here, you're talking too loud. Thank you. All right. If, if I, on our on our wall in our office in our wall on our wall we have a list of names, and since October 31st, all right, um, of 2021, we have seen 22 middle school and high school students be baptized, which is pretty cool. And some of you guys are in those people. It's you can clap for it. It's fine. All right, but we have on our on our wall we have every single name of those individuals on a little piece of like wood and it's like stuck to our wall so that we can look back and see who all has been baptized with the date that they were baptized on it. Um, and we have plans to what to do with it later on, but 
we need to understand that we are celebrating this. We've been focusing on baptism. We've been, the church as a whole, over the last couple of months, we've really been very intentional in baptism. Uh, and not because we want to like boost numbers or do anything like that, but because we feel like it's important that as Christians, we're obedient. And I, hear, I want you guys to hear this very carefully, um, is baptism is very much a, um, an act of obedience in walking with Christ. There's nothing magical about it. It's separate. Um, in the church, we define baptism as this. Ready? Catch this. The immersion of a person in water on profession of his or her faith in Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The immersion of someone in water. So like putting someone under the water and then bringing them up. You don't just leave them under the water. That'd be bad. All right? The full immersion of someone in water, bringing them up out of the water, as a public profession of their faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So here's the thing. Here's my goal for today. I want you to leave here with a clear understanding of what baptism is and why, as a Christian, you should be baptized. Okay? Understand? All right? So we're going to ask this question. What is baptism? And really, I just have two answers for you. All right, two answers, and not complete answers, but two that I think will help you understand what we're talking about. First is this. Baptism is the initial step of obedience after salvation. Okay? Baptism is the initial step of obedience after salvation. You can look in location of loca- after location throughout the New Testament, and every time a believer was baptized, it happened after they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't say like how quickly after, but it happens after. Now, a lot of times it happened like almost immediately. Uh, and we see an example of that. If you guys have your Bibles, open up the book of Acts. Book, Acts chapter 8. I just want to read to you guys um, a little passage that I taught on uh, just a couple of weeks ago. If you guys remember, Acts chapter 8. Remember when I talked about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip teleporting? You guys remember that? Just like, was that, that was last week, yeah. Um, and this idea of, of Philip, because remember, the conversation of Philip and, and the Ethiopian eunuch, they're having this talk in the chariot, and he, Philip explains the gospel to the eunuch, and the eunuch accepts Jesus and says, yes. And he says, hey, there's water right there. What's stopping me from being baptized? What happens? Like, they stop the chariot, they hop out, they jump into the water, and they baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's almost immediately. And as you look throughout Scripture, you can see more and more cases of that. You can see more and more examples of that. Acts chapter 2, it says that they received his word and were baptized. All right? In Acts chapter 18, verse 8, it says this, that they believed and were baptized. You understand that that baptism takes place after the act of salvation. After God comes in and forgives you of your sins, it is a a separate act that takes place. I need you to understand something. Baptism is not required for salvation. Okay? But true biblical baptism, salvation is required for true biblical baptism. All right? It's, it's a response to 
a decision you make in your life. It's a response to salvation. Some other churchy words that you hear thrown around every once in a while, and maybe this will go over your head, maybe you'll understand. It's an ordinance, not a sacrament. It's a church ordinance, which means it's just something that we're supposed to do um, as believers. It's not a sacrament. It's not something that's essential um, to your salvation. It's not something that's essential to your relationship with Christ. It is a symbolic ritual that Christ instituted in the, and that the early church practiced. This is something that's been going on since Jesus himself. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And did Jesus need to be baptized? No. But I think he was showing us the way, showing us how. Because after he was baptized, if you look back in, in the Gospels, after Jesus was baptized, it was like, it was game on. Public, public ministry, full force. Let's go. So you guys understand that baptism is the initial step of obedience after salvation. Number two, and this is an important one. I need you to understand this, right? Baptism is a public confession of your faith. So if you hear anything this evening is this, that baptism is a public profession of your faith. Baptism uh, is the initial step of obedience after salvation. Um, it's an outward sign of an inward transformation. Baptism is very simply your way of declaring to the world, hey, I'm on team Jesus. Right? Like, it's your way of letting the church know, hey, I've been forgiven. Hey, I, I'm all in on this. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to, like, flippantly throw around. But it is something that is, is a very important step in your walk with Christ. It's an allegiance to him. It's showing the world, it's showing the church, hey, I need help. I am in on this, so, like, keep me accountable. That's one of my favorite parts about baptism is, like, when you do it in front of the church, the whole church sees it, and they know at that point that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now you have an entire church not just cheering for you, but looking out for you. In a perfect world, when you get baptized in front of your church, they are now going to hold you accountable. If they see you messing up, they're going to be like, hey, didn't you get baptized last week? You publicly align with the beliefs of Jesus. You publicly align yourself with salvation. You publicly align yourself with Christ. You identify with Christ. How many of you guys are sports fans? You got any sports fans? All right. How many of you guys are football fans? All right. How many of you guys are basketball fans? Any basketball fans? Was anybody cheering for UNC this week? Uh, Gavin was. My son was. He's still heartbroken. He still cries about it. Um, but if you guys watch that game, right, I love watching March Madness. I love watching the NCAA tournament. Um, I prefer college basketball over the NBA any day because um, they actually play defense still. Um, and, and, like, watching the fans is some of my favorite things in the NCAA because you got rabid college students, like college students that um, are out there, and they've got themselves, like, painted, and they're holding up signs, and they're going nuts. They're wearing their team's colors. They're, they're just screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, they're losing their voice. They're screaming to the point where, like, blood is, like, 
curdling in their mouths and it's drooling and it's just insane. Like they go all in for these teams. And there's no question who they're rooting for, right? There's no question at all who they're rooting for because they're painted in the colors, they're screaming when their team wins, they're crying when their team loses. Like you know without a shadow of a doubt who they're cheering for who their allegiance lies with. I am a huge Virginia Tech Hokie fan. I love Virginia Tech Hokie football. Um, I, I love to watch them. I love to cheer for them. I've been cheering for them for a long time. I'm also a huge 49ers fan. So like during game day, I'm wearing my jersey, I'm painting my face. I'm cheering extra loud when we knock the Cowboys out of the playoffs. It's just like all in. Like I love all things Sports, I love 49. Like, no one has to guess who my team is. When I'm watching a game, I'm all in. When I'm, when I'm watching, I, I am focused. I am locked in with what's going on. And I need you guys to understand that in your life, if you, be, if you take that step of baptism, if you take that step of saying, I'm going to show my allegiance to Christ, I'm going to show my allegiance to Jesus, I'm going to go public with my faith, at that point, you're no different than the person that's painted themselves like a Kentucky Jayho- or, or Kansas Jayhawk and, and is cheering at the top of their lungs, because at that point, people will know your allegiance. It's the same type of thing. It's the same type of thing you need to understand that when you go public with your faith, you are not just like going through this process of like, yay, I'm Christian. No, like you're, you're letting the world know. And at that point, you will be held accountable for what you do. And as a church, we will hold you accountable as a church, we will, we will walk with you, we will talk with you, we will help you, we will help you grow. But at that point, we know that you're a believer. So I need you to understand, guys, that, that baptism is an important thing, but also baptism is commanded by Christ. I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is a passage that we've talked about in here before, but it's a, a a passage known as the Great Commission. These are some of Jesus' final words to his followers before he ascends up into heaven. Like This is like the, the, the parting message, if you would, uh, to his team. All right? and, he, and, he, and he says this in verse number 18 of, of chapter 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, he's talking to his disciples, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just as much as this is a commandment to the, um, the, the disciples, this is a commandment to us as well. And if you're a Christian, you are a result of somebody following the Great Commission. Like, if you sit here and you're like, yes, I've been saved, I'm a Christian, I, I identify as that, like, I am a Christian being, like, I, I, follow, I follow Christ. Like, you are there because somebody followed through on the Great Commission. The Great Commission doesn't stop at just get people saved. It says baptize them. Help them go public with their faith. Walk with them and help them grow. 
So tonight, as we talk about this idea of baptism, as we talk about the, the act of obedience of baptism, I, I need you to understand that this isn't just me like throwing out a cool idea for us. This is me saying, hey, we need to be obedient to what Jesus has called us to. We need to be obedient to what God has called us to. Just as much as he's told us to go, we have been told that we need to be baptized as well. I was baptized, um, I was a junior in high school. I got saved early on. I got saved when I was like six or seven years old. Uh, I was in first grade. I was sitting in Mr. Meyer's Sunday school class, and like he explained the gospel, and it it made sense as a six-year-old, and I was like, I want that. And I prayed to receive Christ, and I believe at that moment, Christ was faithful and just, and he forgave me of my sins. And like I, as a kid, I tried to live for Jesus as much as I could, um, but you know, like everything, you have hills and valleys, and your struggles, and there's sin that comes up, and there's a constant battle. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I really tried to make my faith my own, and I really tried to like pursue Jesus. And it was my junior year um, that I, I stepped out, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get baptized. And I finally surrendered. I don't know why I waited so long. My church that I grew up in wasn't like huge on baptism. Like they talked about it, but they didn't really like do it all the time. Um, So for me, like it was never really on my radar until I was like, you know what? This is something I need to do. I remember reading my Bible and going, I need to be baptized. And so I got baptized as a junior in high school. And it was in that moment that things started to come together, that the church started to call me out when I was messing up. Imagine that. Like people in the church, guys that were in my small groups, guys that were my small group leaders, they were like, hey man, like, you're a Christian, you got to start living right. And man, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Having that accountability, having the church come alongside me and help me and help me grow and help me develop was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Without that, without that moment in my life where people stepped in and started to help me, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the family that I have today. I wouldn't have this position. I wouldn't work here. I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't be in ministry. It was that accountability that started with me taking that step of making my faith public and being baptized that changed everything for me. So what about you? What about you? Maybe you're a Christian like, and you've been baptized. Great. Like you're obedient, right? Good job. Well done. But I know for a fact that there's Christians in this room that have accepted Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. They've been saved. They've been forgiven. But they've never taken that step of faith and and gone and made their faith public and been baptized. Why not? What's stopping you? Is it fear? Is it maybe you just didn't know? Maybe you're scared. Whatever it is, I want, to, I want you to know that there's nothing that should deter you from making it happen. Jesus willingly went to the cross for our sins, died a sinner's death, beaten, broken, bruised, battered, bloodied for us. The least we can do is publicly align with him through baptism. So if that's you, if you're in this room and you're under the, the sound of my voice and like 
you're like, man, that's something I'd really like to do. Man, I, I want you to know that we can align this. Like, we can make this happen. Not tonight. <laughs> Don't stress out. <laughs> but soon. We can make this happen. We can, we can make this happen for you. We can, we can talk to your parents. We can make all the things line up, and we can, we can make sure that you are in line with where you're supposed to be. But maybe you're in the room right now, and, and you're like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like this whole forgiveness thing, like this whole, this whole salvation, like being saved, what in the world are you talking about? Well, let me give you the Reader's Digest version real, fit, real fast. Listen, Jesus... Fully God, fully man. Came as a virgin, you guys know the story. You know, came from, through a virgin birth, lived a sinless life, the only human being ever to do it. 33 years later, he went to the cross. He willingly died as a sacrifice for our sins. He was nailed to a cross, died there, was placed in a tomb three days later, defeated death. The only one to ever do it. Other people have died before, but nobody came back after three days. Defeated death. So that if we were to put our faith and trust in him, guys, and we, we ask him to forgive us our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. If that's you, I want you to know you can leave here tonight knowing that Jesus has forgiven you. There's nothing magical. There's nothing like you have to say like a, a magic spell and like, like, cross your arms and like turn around five times to make it like engage. No, it's very simple. It's a cry of your heart. It's a prayer of asking God to forgive you. Making him Lord of your life. Which only means to make him number one. Make him your top priority. And to live for him. And if that's you, man, you have an opportunity to do that tonight as well. For those of you that are in here that have never been baptized, that are a Christian, I need you to understand that there is nothing that should stop you from doing it. Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing I need you to understand. Hey, Josh. Thanks, man. Pay attention up here. Josh. Is this. God desires your obedience. You're going to hear that throughout this entire series as we talk about different disciplines, different things that he wants us to do. But here's the thing. God desires your obedience. And one of the best ways, one of the initial steps in being obedient to Christ is after you've been saved is to take that step and go public with your faith through baptism. My hope and prayer is that if that's you, if, you, if you're in need of that, that you'll see that need. And you'll submit, and you'll be obedient to what God has called you to. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's talking. This is just an opportunity for you to have a moment with God, to talk. Don't be a distraction. Don't be messing with your friends. If you're in here tonight, under the sound of my voice, if you're listening to me right now, I need you to hear me. If you're a person that needs that forgiveness that I talked about. That forgiveness of your sins. You've never asked Jesus Christ to save you. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. I want to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to use my exact words. As a matter of fact, I prefer you put it in your own words. Because it's not the prayer that saves you. 
It's the cry of your heart. But you can say something along these lines. Say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. I haven't lived in the way that I know I'm supposed to live. And I need your forgiveness in my life. Say, God, I need you to forgive me of my sins. Save me. Change me. Or to take me to heaven when I die. Say, God, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. And then follow it up with just a simple amen. Every eye still closed, every head still bowed, nobody's looking around. If you said that prayer, and you meant it for the first time in your life, like you, you understood what you just prayed, you might not understand it fully, like you might not have all the answers, but you know that you meant it in your heart right then and there. I want you to do me a favor. Nobody's looking around but me. If that's you, just look up at me. Just look up at me. And then as I look your way, just kind of wave at me so I can see you. The light's here are kind of bright. I see you. 